This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Welcome to Revolution in the clampdown. COVID-19 still in the hizza. Um, yeah, it was 4th of July yesterday. Correct? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah, so it's funny. We're all kind of, I think, over COVID. Unfortunately, COVID isn't over us. So, <laughs> yeah. It's got plenty of mixtapes to send us and tell us how much it loves us and wants to sound, spend time with us. Um, and I am tired of the COVID. Yeah. Like trying to just do laundry is a pain in the ass because I have to get quarters. Finding quarters is crazy. Mm-hmm. And we get so much different information about it, you know, and like some people are ultra sensitive. Yeah. You know, about like distancing and stuff like that. And I try to be sensitive. I have a coworker though, who <laughs> she, she's all about the six foot thing, even with her coworkers and yeah. we're in a really small space. And so that's, it's kind of tricky to be sensitive to her, but still like try to work and stuff, you know? She just has to put on all the pizza toppings, six uh, feet away from yeah, everyone. Yeah, pretty much. That's fun. She gets mad when customers get too close. <laughs> she does. Hey, boundaries, baby. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy. The whole mask thing is crazy. The fact that, I don't know. I mean, I got people I love who do not want to wear masks and I'm like, I don't want to fight with them, right? You know, but it's like at the same time, I'm like, it's really easy yeah. to put on a mask, yeah. And I'd like to go see a concert in 2021. Mm-hmm. I'd like 2021 to be way better. I'd like to go to Belfast. I haven't kind of do that either. Uh, I had to cancel everything. So hey, guys, I'm just saying, wear a little mask. Maybe we could get out of this thing and not be stuck at home next year. And then I always think like, if I was an evil genius, I'd be like. <laughs> they don't like to wear masks, you know, and then I'd play on it online and then I'd send out some disease that would require masks. And, ah. See? Mm. So now like people are like other governments want to destroy us are just like, oh, well, they don't want to wear masks. We'll just send over a disease that we'll get them. So, yeah, I mean, just I can't imagine a government conspiracy that would like somehow be like. You know, we can control the people if we put masks on their face and cause them to stand six feet apart. I mean, what's the, I mean, the conspiracy theory is, would be crazy. I know. People believe it though. I know. I just don't know what it would be. I don't know either. Like. It might be given too much credit. There's some guys like in a dark room laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing masks. Over a boiling cauldron. (laughs) Um. So there you go. There's my controversial statement for today. <laughs> also saw people posting all countries matter yesterday, which I thought was pretty funny. Trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah. All Did countries you, matter? Yeah, because it's the 4th of July. See, oh, you know? brother. So there, but there were people being like, they were being cheeky. They were being, yeah, yeah, They yeah, were yeah. trying to be okay. like, see how dumb it is? Uh-huh. Um, I think we have a long way to go, folks, to change the world. And... Um, I think we're going to have to focus on some majors and not minors. But the thing about masks is I think that that just will help us get further so we can do more work and not be sick and talk to each other and try to change the world. But I think we get distracted a lot. and I see a lot of distraction happening. Um, we have such a short 
attention span in this country. And I think that we have to think about that. But that's going to be in the talk today. So today, ironically, today, the 5th of July, is about freedom. Freedom! Yeah, so what what is freedom? Yeah, what is freedom is, is, is the title. I always tell Caleb the last minute what the title is. Mm-hmm. So today, I've told him right now. So we have episodes that are just the date. Just because you never get back to me with the title. <laughs> yeah. So, so if it's just a date, you know that I'm just a lazy <laughs> bastard. Um, and it's really sad is that like five days pass. And I'm like, I don't remember what I talked about. Um, I'll probably need to get that checked out. So we're going to be in First Peter. Um, not a book that I spend a lot of time in. I'm going to be honest. Um, and 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 now I know why. Um, <laughs> It's like all my book, my Bibles are all like high, un- highlighted, underlined, and then I go to First Peter, and it's like, oh, it's just looks like a <laughs> brand new, <laughs> untouched, untouched Bible. So maybe I need to start preaching out of more unhighlighted Bible uh, mm, books. Good challenge. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, I used to have a note taker's Bible, which is really cool because it had like margins, and you could take little notes. My mom would always get me a really cool Bible. So here we go. Um, in 1 Peter 2, 16, I'll just start with uh, 13 because it's easier that way. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution. Okay, did you hear that? Whether of the empire or the supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing the right thing, you, you should silence the ignorance of foolishness. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a prextit for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Yes, you heard that. Honor the emperor. And then it goes on even really crazier. It says... Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all differences, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm real. I'm calling BS on First Peter on freedom and what freedom looks like. Um, I do not think that this is explaining freedom at all to say uh to be under the emperors and slaves obey your masters. And then we can get into the argument of like, well, slaves were different back then. And you know, they were happy. We're not going to get into that question, but this idea of uh, 16 is the servants of God live as free people yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil, which I think is, you know, we all would agree that's good. But then he goes on to say, you know, love the family of believers and fear God and honor the emperor. Now, the reason I wanted to look at that was because often biblically and often in the church, we talk about a type of freedom in Christ, um, but there's often an asterisk, you know, there's often a, a, a but, you know, there's often, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this, 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 oh, you're free in Christ, but, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was, I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking about, uh, and I honestly did not want to go to Galatians. Like I try to, 
try to ignore Galatians after I do my Galatians talk, but it's impossible. I'm like, I wish I could quit you. Galatians, <laughs> I can't quit you. Um, I like to keep all my movie references really, really on the, really tight. You know, really cutting edge. Yeah, yeah rel- re- what is it? Recent and relevant. Recent and relevant. So we're back in Galatians. Which we should probably just change the name of Revolution to that. Um, so in Galatians 3, 28, we kind of go to the opposite. And 3.28 is something that I think a lot of people have argued about, feel insecure about, especially right now, um, with everything that's happening with race issues and this country, just with who we are, I, I, I think this is a really a tough tough verse to look at and so I but I was thinking about what is really freedom and and, and what do I you know what would I use to disagree with Peter here this first Peter and and it would be Paul and I would use Paul to 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 use this this disagreement the Bible is not infallible it's not uh it it contradicts okay there's contradictions Mm -hmm. in it you know, I mean, what I'm talking about right now is 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 contradictions, um, and it's important. So sometimes you have to decide, like, which contradiction, you know, out of those contradictions, which way am I going to go? You know, I mean, we are going to live a life with contradictions, and that's part of life, and that's why it's in the Bible. That's why it's in all of our lives. Um, there are things that don't always add up, and we learn to live with that, and, and that's so in the Bible. There's contradictions. So, um, but I was raised told like there was zero contradictions, and you could have had to you know, explain it all and all had to add up perfectly. Um, so here Paul says, um, and I've read this a million times, um, Galatians three twenty eight says, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male nor female for all are one in Christ Jesus. And so the idea is, is, Paul is getting rid of the identity and saying there's no more identity in, in Christ. And matter of fact, um, some people would say, well, you're replacing those identities for the word Christian. Um, but I think what I really think is, is happening here is he's not replacing um, Christianity. I think Christianity and I agree this radical reading of uh, more of the more radical reading of, of, of this verse, a pyrotheology understanding of it, um, is that Christianity is, is you, you, is the denial of your, of your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Denial of, D- denial of your, your, uh, identity. Identity. Okay. Like there you're, with Christianity, you're, you're, you're letting your identity go. Even as a Christian, you, you let your identity go. I, and that's a weird thing to wrap your brain around, but we've talked about this before. And I think people pushed back. But this is why I think why we push back is because we think of it saying, well, you know, right now we've got to talk about Black Lives Matters. Right now we need to talk about LGBTQ rights. Right now we need to talk about people who are suffering. We need to talk about kids in cages. You know, and you're right, we do. And I don't think that's what it's saying at all. What it's doing is, is it's pulling down the hierarchy. Okay? Paul is de- dissecting the hierarchy here. The whole thing he's doing is, is attacking religious leaders. 
He's attacking a system mm-hmm. that's been put in place that makes people lower than them. And when he is saying this, he is saying, you know, there are no longer these higher ups. We are all one. You know, there's neither male nor female. So he's not saying like, so, you know, females, you have to deny your, your, your reality of being a female. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's saying is as males, you've got to let go of that power structure. That's not there anymore. So when he's saying identity, I mean, I think a lot of us only see this low point and think, oh man, I've got to give up my identity. I've got to give up everything I've worked so hard for. And we just see it lowering. But I don't want, we don't, what I don't think we realize is that he's talking to this group of hierarchy people and saying, no, you've got to come down here. Mm. You know, we have got to be here. It's, it's got to be this type of playing field. Now there's going to be differences and there's going to be all sorts of things. We're going to have interesting things, but in order to have conversations, to order to be free, we have to have our identities here. So I don't think it's the saying that we don't fight for rights. We don't fight for equal equality. We don't do social justice work. We don't do civil rights work. That, that would be absurd. It's not I mean, saying to be colorblind. No. I mean, Paul is doing work right here defending um, Gentiles mm-hmm. in this book. So if he was saying that, he wouldn't be defending the Gentiles. If he was saying like, well, these, you know, he's saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile by saying the Gentiles are in. This hierarchy that we've had along that said nobody here belongs. I'm asking the hierarchy to no longer be that. I'm asking for those who, 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 you know, so I'm asking you not to lead lowly anymore and I'm asking you not to be high anymore. I'm asking us all to kind of just meet each other right here in the middle, you know, and, and have this conversation. I'm saying, you know, deny your identity and come together as people who say, okay, we're not going to allow our identities to, to be, to take advantage of each other, to rule over each other. To, to make anybody less than or more than, you know. And if you know anything about the civil rights movement, it was all about meeting, you know, it was all about having equal rights. You know, what I always loved about, and I talked, I tweeted about this yesterday, is what I love about Martin Luther King Jr.'s work is that he always saw his enemies as victims, Martin Luther King Jr. always saw his enemies as victims, as victims of, of, of uh, who needed help, who needed liberation, who needed re-education, who needed to be talked to, who needed to be loved. Yep. So he was saying when he was he was fighting for that type of equality, for that type of civil rights, that type of to free everyone. He wanted to free people from racism. He wanted to free people from hate. He wanted to see them set free because he felt they had become victims of misinformation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's saying this group here who thinks they're they're superior, the, the superior races, and he said, no, 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 no. You have to come down here. We have to come up here. You know, we all have to be in, in, in humans in this together. He said, that's why I want someone to judge me by the, by, by the character, by my character, by the truth of my character, not by the color of my skin, you know. He's saying we all want to come together here, and so I um, I'm, I'm going to have Caleb post a a, a sermon from uh, Martin Luther King, and it's about basically um, not being selfish and not being stuck. You know, when we we kind of get these arrested developments, when we stop the development, and we become self centered, 
and how do we deal with the self-centeredness? And what I like about the sermon that's going to post up here, it's already up here, um, is that, you know, how do we conquer self-centeredness? Is he's talking to communities, you know, he's talking to people who's saying our enemies, some of our enemies are suffering some self-centeredness. They're, they're suffering from, from immaturity. You know, they become self-reliant. They become reliant on the government. They become reliant on all these things. And so he's, he, he, he's trying to, to say, say, how can we practically conquer this issue where we can help people come out of their own selfishness, you know, so that they will join us in this journey, in this fight to be recognized as humans, to go through this. So he, he's, he's doing this whole sermon on how to change. I mean, it blows my mind. You know, I said, you know, Jesus told us to love our enemies, but Martin Luther King showed us how to love our enemies, how to work with them, how to do better. Mm-hmm. So when that denial of identity comes through, um, you know, we're asking racists and conservatives in, 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 to, to say, hey, you know, and woke people, and, you know, we're all asking, say, like, if, you're, if, if, if your identity is, is keeping you here constantly, and there's always these people, it's saying, let's just shift. Let's shift our identities to equality. And that's what we're fighting for, is equality. That's what we would talk about, is equality, you know, um, people are always like, oh, everybody wants special rights and everybody wants to be a snowflake. And it's like, well, no, but really, if we want justice, everybody has to be equal. And so what we're doing is we're talking about equality. And then there's a freedom that comes in that equality. But there's also a lot of hard work. There's a lot of growth. There's mm-hmm. a lot of maturity. There's a lot of patience. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. A tweet's not going to make it happen. An Instagram's not going to make it happen. Um Learning and listening is going to have to be a part of it. Reading, studying, educating ourselves is going to have to be a big part of that. And so it's, it's, it's tough work. And what I find is that a lot of people don't want to do the tough work. Like I can put up a really great quote or say something, you know, like I said, something about, like I said, what I've been talking about King here, I put on Twitter and I got like 200 something likes. Oh, everybody likes it. I could put this talk up three people would like it, you know? And the point is, is that people just want, we want these hits of just like, oh, this encourages, oh, I like this, Ooh, mm. I like that, you know? And often we don't want to take the time to sit down and read a book, you know? We just want to just something that just says, oh, okay, this encourages me and, and makes me right and confirms my belief system. So I just want my belief system to be affirmed and I want to be affirmed and that's enough. I don't even have, I don't have time to listen to a podcast. I don't have time to get, join the conversation, but I just want to be affirmed and I want other people to affirm me. And the thing is, 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 is that's not teaching us to be different human beings. That's not going to change laws. You know, changing laws is going to take time. Changing people takes a lot of yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to be able to do any of that if we just continue to be like, oh, I just want to hear this or I just like that, you know, but I'm not going to put in any of the work. I'm not even going to listen to anything. So... You know, that's, that's a challenge that I have there. Um, so Galatians, uh, Paul is asking the elite to, uh, 
surrender their identity. Um, Peter, on the other hand, in First Peter, was asking us to surrender to the elite. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with Paul on this one. Um, you know, I have a hard time respecting my government and respecting politics. I want to see politics change, so I'm going to be political, but um, I don't find a lot of hope in, in, in our, especially like in our presidential choices right now. Um, but I am, I am honestly worried about what Donald Trump is, 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 seems to be incapable of doing. And that is bringing us together, you know? And that's the thing is I just don't want this constant, like, Oh, we'll we'll just change in the new hierarchy and then everything, Mm -hmm. you know, what I want is, is someone who can bring, I'd like to see somebody who could actually bring the country together, you know? And what that requires is someone who maybe when we're having riots is able to sit down and talk to the nation and talk to all of us as a community as, as, as us and them and say, Hey guys, you know, we're all in this together. We've got to think about how we can change this. You know, someone who can actually bring us together, not continuously divide us um, because division isn't the way to go. Um, do I know, think Biden can do that? I don't have a whole lot of hope for that either, to be honest with you. But um but I, I am really uh, disappointed with, with uh, our presidents and how he acts and, and how he does not seem to be able to do uh, simple tasks of communication and seems to continue to divide us. And, and we've got to figure out a way to be less divided. Maybe that's more parties. Maybe that's more stuff. But you, everything I'm talking about requires us to work hard, requires us to continue to like, okay, maybe we need more parties. Maybe we need more things like this, but it causes us to get educated, find out about how the government works. How do we make these changes? It's not just through online activism or virtual or vir- virtue signaling. You know, th- those things are great. And I, and I like a lot of it. And, I, and there's a lot of it I read and it, it encourages me and it sparks something in me. But it's not ultimately it's not the hard work that has to be done. So. Um, I was going to read a little bit. I've been reading this book. Uh, I'll talk to you guys about Emancipation After Hegel um, by Todd McGowan. And uh, it's a really hard book. Like one chapter was almost impossible for me to read. <laughs> I just was like, what is he talking about? Um, but this this one is, he talks about Hegel's ideas of freedom, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So I'm going to read a little bit of that to you and see if we can take that somewhere. Hopefully we can. Um, according to Hegel, we know that there is no possible higher end for the subject that its own freedom than its own freedom, because we have discovered that there is no being without contradiction. Freedom is the result of this discovery. So he's saying freedom is a result of realizing that we have this contradiction. And a discussion of Kant's discovery of the categorical imperative of history of philosophy, Hegel provides his most thorough, compelling definition of freedom. And this is, he claims, this is Hegel. For there, for the will, for the will, there is no other end than the one created out of itself. 
the end of its freedom. It's great advance when the principle is established that freedom is the last hinge on which humanity turns, the last summit from which humanity lets nothing impress it and accepts no authority that goes against its freedom. An interesting thing here is I want to focus on is where Hegel says, uh, humanity lets nothing impress it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of us folks have an issue is, is we are in what we are impressed by and what we allow culture to do to us, what we allow peer pressure to do to us, um, fear of cancel being canceled due to us, uh, being politically correct due to us, um, you know, having to be so clearly on, you know, everybody wants you to be very clear on what you're for, what you're against, what you should do. Um, you know, lists of what's acceptable and not acceptable. It's like everybody wants everything to be known about you right on in the second and social media, you know, online, you know, what do I stand for? What don't you stand for? You know, make it clear. Are you with us or are you against us? And society, society kind of gives us this peer pressure and this, this idea of, of, of impressing on what we should do and how we should live and what we should think. And it's easy for us to not realize that that's also stepping on our toes of if we are really free. You know, it, can I really be free if I'm constantly worried about what my neighbor is thinking of me? Uh, if I'm constantly worried about what my, my tribe is thinking mm -hmm. of me, am I really free? You know, and, uh, and I don't think, I'm not saying that we're not open to criticism. I'm not saying that we're not open to growing because I think that's what I'm trying to say is that yeah. we're able to come together in a conversation as a community. But what I'm saying is, is are we living a life of fear of our friends, fear mm -hmm. of our, uh, of the po politics that we closely relate, that we closest relate to even there. Like, Oh, what if I don't do this? Or what if I don't say this? Or what if I don't, I mean, I know I get that way a lot. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm thinking now, you know, I, I'm thinking about things more. Um, and, and you know, I feel like sometimes there's a pressure to speak up and say something. But at the same time, I also want to think it through. You know, it, we live in a different time and different culture where, you know, everybody, you know, if you, especially if you're on social media, everybody wants to know right away. Where do you stand on this issue? Where do you do this? What do you do with that? And you go, you know, um, I mean, obviously... I'm against racism. Obviously that's a huge thing. Um, but other things too, you know, where it's just like this constant thing of, well, you know, what do you think about politics? What do you think about that? And I'm just going like, you know, I'm reexamining some of these things. Um, well, what do you think about this recent news thing and this recent buzz thing? And it's going like, I'm trying to think about it. And yeah. what I find so often is, is that in this culture that sometimes by the time you're done thinking and analyzing it and you have something to say, we've moved on to something else. Um, and, and so it's unfortunate that we just want everybody to just kind of go off the top of their head rather than giving educated thoughts on it. You know, just, oh, I just read this one article, so it might, I'm, this is what I think about it, you know. Um, but then if you go down further down rabbit holes, you start to see different things. 
different reasons, you know, like, you know, um, do you want to, do you want to defund the police or do you want to reform the police? You know, everybody was, you know, I was saying reform, you know, just cause I thought that was a good thing. And then everybody was like, defund, defund, defund. And I'm going like, okay, I've got to look up what defund the police means. You know, it's like when Brexit mm-hmm. passed, Yeah. you know, they said that Google's like one of the highest search terms was Brexit was like, wait, after wait, it passed. Wait, what is this? Because people were like, oh, what did I just vote for? What did I just vote against? You know, nobody really knew what was going on. They had kind of maybe ideas, but they really wanted to figure out. And I want to like try to be ahead of the curve and not just reacting. You know, I want to know what I'm, what I'm changing, what I'm arguing, what I'm fighting against. And I think that it's, it, it, we shouldn't allow our culture to pressure us into making uneducated guesses. You know, a hypothesis is an educated guess in science. You know, we shouldn't be anti-hypothesis. Um, and I think we have the, that, the, what, what Hegel's calling the impressed to be, we're being impressed to make uneducated hypotheses all the time or uneducated mm. guesses. Um, so the, the so he's saying part of freedom is being refused to be impressed by the other. I and I and even that impressed was was confusing me. So I, I looked and looked up on the dictionary and it's saying feelings, influence, and um, opinions. Um, there's also pressing something down um, <laughs> to create a favorable impression, draw attention to self, to urge as something to be done to urge something to be done so i think that's what hegel's getting to so i think patience is important but we've still got a little bit to to say um chris christopherson the great musician writer who wrote the song um wrote uh what was the song called i'm trying to remember it was done by somebody else me and bobby mcgee which Janis Joplin made popular in there is a line that says freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And I was thinking about that, like, you know, do we have to surrender everything, including our identity, including our, our, uh, our ego Mm. to experience freedom. Everybody talks about freedom coming at a great price, but usually they think about wars you know, they don't think about uh, dying to self. They don't think about um, mm. not worrying about what other people say, not letting other people's opinions toss you in the wind. Um, one of the other notes I wrote is is that grace doesn't demand a way of living. And the reason I was thinking about that was is because of freedom, you know, Knowing we're in grace, if we're going to actually live in real freedom, we're going to take time to educate ourselves, take time to think, and not allow other people to impress us on what to think and how to think without knowing where which way we're going and what's going to actually make change. Grace is something that you're going to have to have for yourself. Yeah. You know, I think having a good good answer too, like, oh, why are you being silent? You know, saying, you know, having a good answer. And, I, and I've written a little bit about that too, about silence, because one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. is, it's not the words of our enemies we will remember, but the silence of our friends. 
And so I want to unpack that a little bit too, because um, I think that's important, um, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world. I'm going to read a little bit more from, from uh, McGowan's book. And he says, um, when we examine Hegel's conception of freedom as he articulates it, here it becomes clear just how far it is from the liberal conception. Liberalism conceives of freedom, and he's not some conservative right-wing guy, um, just so you know. Um, he says, liberalism conceives freedom as the absence of uh, constraint, as nothing's constraint. We can do whatever we want. Um, one is free for the liberal thinker when no one is unjustly hindering what one can do. But liberalism misses how constraint most often operates with direct constraint is the primary concern of liberalism. So he's basically saying liberalism um, is so focused on constraint and so focused on be, being able to do whatever we want as being free that we miss out on it. So he's saying constraint is the primary concern of liberalisms, but he goes, and yet direct constraint is the easiest to defy. So, you know, we can protest, we can tear down statues, we can wear a mask, we can uh, talk about kids in cages, you know, cage in cages, we can go to our government, we can work this out, you know, we can defy it, you know, we, we can defy this. Because the most pernicious form of constraint takes, occurs when the external authority presents itself as substantial and thus impress impresses the subject. Impressing the subject is far more threatening to its freedom than imposing on it and usually pro... that word? Oh, wow. Propedicate? Pro uh, I don't know what that word is. Dude. Yeah, it's a hard word. Pro it's, it's, Greek. it's definitely Greek. To imposing on it. So, I mean, what he's saying is, is impress... This is the subject. Is, is the idea is that he's saying peer pressure is what we're not seeing. Um, when he's saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile, when Paul is saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile, he's not talking about Roman law. Um, he's saying, you know, there's something that you guys are impressing on them to be circumcised. You are impressing them to convert to Judaism and then saying they become a Christian. And you're putting, you're, you're, you're showing this by not eating here and not doing this and not doing that. And these weren't covered by laws, but he's saying this is what's really dangerous. You know, um, you know, we can revolt against the government. We can do those certain type of things. But right now, this this idea of you guys playing a game with each other's lives by just saying, well, you should do this. You should do that. You know, this is how you become you know, by trying to impress your your own convictions on other people. You know, this is dangerous. We've got to undo this. This isn't freedom. You know, if you want to be free, you've got to. And at the end, he goes, you know, make sure you don't get tied up to these things again and actually stay free. Don't get worried about what your neighbor's doing. Take care of your own burden, you know, take care of your own self, you know, but help them if they are burdened, you know. And, and when he says, you know, be careful of, of fall, you know, help restore those who, who, who fall to temptation, but don't fall into temptation yourself. The temptation he's talking about is legalism. The temptation he's talking about is what's what's been impressed upon them. If they're legalistic and you want to help them, be careful that they don't turn you into a legalistic person because it's so subtle and it can make so much sense at a certain time that you will just feel that peer pressure and you change rather than you changing them. 
so this is this is hard stuff to to, to wrestle with. Um, am I right? Authentic freedom requires an absence of impressive, eternal substances, which is why Hegel says that the in that passage read earlier that we achieve freedom only when we allow nothing to impress us or to be impressed on us. Um, otherwise, the subject finds itself devoted of an external authority while remaining utterly convinced of its own freedom. This is the classic liberal trap. Um, and this is where he 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 late. This is where Todd tries to explain it for us, for the rest of us, because uh, the great ins- insistence of the liberal trap is freedom in capitalism, a capitalist society. Capitalist subject believes themselves to be free to act however they want. Yet they also believe in the perfection of the market and the function of the sustainable other uh, that impresses them to guide how they act. They buy what the market offers, invest in what the market proposes, and work in jobs where the market identifies a need. They believe in the market goes hand in hand with the liberal conception of freedom, but not with Hegel's because truly free subjects cannot prostrate themselves before any self-identical idols, which is what the market is within capitalism. So that's, um, he's just saying that, you know, we kind of pick and choose what we want to be liberated from and what we don't want to be liberated from. And we practice, and that's what worries me often in, 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 in politics with, in liberal politics is this, you know, this love to go along with the capitalist system. And I think the capitalist system creates a system where a lot of people are poor and, and, and hurt and, and not ever going to be able to reach an equal playing field, ever. And sometimes our, our that liberal says, be free and we can do whatever we want, but we got to follow the market and we got to play the capitalist game because there's no other option, you know. Mm. And so we're still kind of imprisoned. So, I mean, this what it's saying is it's just continuously check where we're at you know are we being influenced by other systems that are kind of coming in that might not be the systems that we think are the great evil but are we really free or are we tools to the system you know and it's hard to break away because that's all america is is, is seems to be is, is a capitalist society so you know that's probably not popular on either side to be honest with you um so well, what else is there? Well, there's a lot of other stuff, but if you just read small tweets, you won't know about it. You know, I mean, what is what is it to be an anarchist? You know, what is it to be um, uh, a Marxist? You know, what is it to be a communist? You know what I mean? Like, all I know is, you know, I, mostly what I know of those things is scary stuff. You know, oh, well, Marxism, you know, or communism, you know, I mean, you look, reach Slavoj Zizek and he loves communism. He thinks there's been huge issues with it, but that, it, that real communism is, is, is something that we don't understand and it needs to be re-understood. Um, and he's one of the brilliant philosophers of our time. Um, 
I'm not trying to promote any of these right now, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to say, like, do we really understand and do we want to take the time to understand or do we want to just take the tweet to understand or just the um, Wikipedia page to understand what these complex issues are? Or do we really want to understand these issues or do we allow ourselves to just be slaves to a system that we're not really free from, you know? Um, if I, if I fight for liberty for my LGBTQ brothers and sisters or my black brothers and sisters, um, but yet continue to, to support a system that I know will oppress them, even if they are, they have all the same rights as I, but they will continue to be oppressed. And then it will just be, they are rich and poor, you know, um, I'm, I'm not really fighting oppression. I'm, I'm fighting the beginnings of oppression, but then ultimately there becomes this bigger battle that we're headed towards. Is like, you know, how do we get over this obsession of wealth? And how do we get people out of poverty? So, you know, it, it, it all just interlinks, you know. Um, am I my brother's keeper? Am I free? And am I able to make these decisions? Are we able to be good thinkers? So I don't know. Um, one of the things I wrote about example of silence today is because I, I earlier talked about my favorite quote from King is that, you know, it's not the words of your enemies you remember, but the silence of your friends. And so I just try to think about this in a critical way. And one of the things I wrote is an example of silence today. It seems to uh, be not posting on social media. You know, um, it's, it's strange because I, I guess... Um, Rob Bell doesn't really post on social media that much anymore, unless it's like pictures of his kids or when he's speaking next. And so somebody wrote this thing to him online and was like, hey, you know, your silence is, is really strange right now. What's going on? Um, not realizing that he's been doing um, podcasts about systematic racism and, and things like that. I didn't either. I mean, I don't follow him. I just saw the, the thing and I was talking to a friend a mutual friend of ours and, and they're like, Oh no, he's been doing this and this and this. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know, you know? Um, but just how we automatically expect someone to be silent if they're not on the same, expect someone is silent and ignoring the problems or the issues. If they're not on the same social media site that we're on, you know? Um, so how do we, uh, yeah, classism is huge, by the way. Classism is, is, is something Anyway, I'm sorry I got distracted. Um, so I wrote, you know, on social media, I said, but what about thinking? And I've pretty much covered this. Um, and taking time to make sure you're, uh, you choose your words wisely and prepare work for the future so that change is long term. Um, and I, you know, and I think there's a way to do this, you know. But we want to be about long-term change, not just short-term change and, 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 and just a short pop, you know. Um, we need those pops. We need those. There's, there are voices right now that are educated who've been people who've suffered through systematic racism, people who've suffered through heterosexism that I'm able to listen to and I'm able to read about and understand and hear what they're saying to me right now. And that's what I'm trying to do is, is not necessarily be silent because I've posted things that, that, about how I feel, 
but and obviously preach things what I've been and I've always felt like what I preach is part of being a human and living and, and if we follow these ideas and these you know it, it, it should be part of of all this and what what the world's working for um, but finding people who know more than me and listening finding people who've experienced it and listening. Um, and sometimes it's not even interjecting. It's not even asking questions. Sometimes it's just going, like, yeah. how do I look at this? How yeah. do I hear this? And then maybe find a close friend who I know I can maybe bounce things off. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so I think that there is a time to be quiet, but I think it's not to be silent. I think it's to, to learn, to educate. And I think we've got to make, make sure we're making room for people who are educating. So if someone goes, oh, why are you so silent? Where's your voice? You can go like, well, actually, I've been reading about this, this, and this, you know, and trying to understand it more because I want to know how to, you know, not just be angry at the system, but I want to dismantle it, you know. And I also want to make sure that the system we're replacing with, with is not something that's going to be worse, you know, that we don't defund the police and then Amazon comes along and says, oh, we'll create a police force for you, so we'll have the Amazon police force. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that to happen either. Um, so, you know, how do we constructively think through this? Or I talk to people who have been working towards these things all along, you know, that aren't just newcomers or aren't just the, the loudest voice, but maybe someone who's really been putting the work and the time into these situations. Um, so don't confuse critical thinking as silence, you know, um, I think that's important. Um, we must have a long-term plan that will require hard work so other, so our words and our, you know, a plan that will require hard work so our words and it won't be empty, won't be empty virtue signaling that only our speaking during a crisis, you know, that are only words that were spoken during, we speak during crisis and then they fade and then we have to move on to the next thing. That we just don't always live in that just that moment, but that we, we we really focus on on what's going to make a change. Now, this is me saying, how do we be free? One of the ways you can be free by this is not giving a damn to what I'm listening to, what you're hearing from me. You know, not letting this move you. You're not being impressed by it. Um, what I always say is like, you know, take what you want and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. If you hear something that sparks you, take it. If you don't hear anything that sparks you, turn it off. You know. Um, I think another important thing is remembering that we all have different roles to play. Some voices are ready and, you know, and we must let them be heard. It's important. And there's certain people's stories that we need to hear so we can learn and we can grow. I've already said all this stuff. You're just reading from my notes. But I want to listen, you know, so I can be part of the long-term change that must take place. And I think freedom allows that. Um, I think... Knowing your purpose and knowing what you're called to do, knowing what your work is, helps you with that type of freedom of not being completely impressed by others, not living in that. So, um, I think I'll end with Galatians 5, which I think is interesting because, you know, I just read you know, neither male nor female, junior or gentile. And then I read that first Peter verse, which was just like, you know, listen to the government and listen to your slave master, whether he's good or bad, and, you know, do all that. And it didn't seem to, to really do much for me. But Galatians 5, 
uh, one through six is pretty interesting because it says, um, for freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not be submit again to the yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no better to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ, for you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Uh, for Christ Jesus is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. And I just thought what a contrast that is to First Peter's explanation of what freedom is to what Paul is. I mean, Paul is genuinely saying, do not let doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not it just doesn't matter you know which when you were impressed to do that just doesn't matter you know um you know what matters is faith expressing itself in love and then you could argue that even that's an impression impression um but i think there's something about love that's within us humanly that you know there cannot be great disappointment where there's not great love we talked about that a few mm -hmm. weeks ago and um so I think we have this instinctive part of us that wants to love. Um, often it's misguided, uh, but we learn to work through that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my, my opinion and thoughts on freedom. Thanks for listening to me ramble. And uh, you know now we're going to do a little bit of uh, feedback, talk back. Yeah, we've got a few direct reactions. I'm not sure exactly what they're reacting to, but they're... Um, I, th I think I remember what Cheryl was reacting to with this one. Uh, let me see if I can find her comment. Something about Judas. Judas! Uh, okay, yeah. So Cheryl said, But Pastor Jay, Jesus did show, show the example of love. What about Judas? He washed the feet of his own disciples that called him Lord. That included Judas, correct? Oh. I, think that was, I think she was... Um, My whole thing about saying that Jesus told us to love our enemies... Martin Luther King showed us how. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't show us how. I'm just saying King had a lot more time. He gave us a really nice system of he actually, gave us like, a here's good, a good way to... He gave us a system and a map, <laughs> yeah. you know, and put it into words really and explained it, it clearly. Continued the work. With Jesus, know. we're kind of seeing moments in his life. Uh, with, with Martin Luther King, with Dr. King, we're seeing someone dissect it and, and create it into... Uh, conversation mm -hmm. and into a lesson that we can actually learn from in a handbook you know I, yeah a handbook mm -hmm. you know I, I always just say uh, dr king is wrote drew the best map for me when it comes to civil rights and equality and humanity and so i i stick with that um so no i'm not trying to downplay jesus um what i'm just trying to say is encourage people to read you know not just read like the you know not just maybe just watch the i have a dream speech or you know read the good quotes, but read his sermons, read some of his books, um, because he was a brilliant man, and um, he genuinely wanted to liberate us all. And I, I just think, you know, even as I think Paul showed more grace and love and, and acceptance in some ways than, than Jesus did. And people would go crazy and lose their minds when they hear that. But Paul 
you know, opened up the whole the gospel to the Gentile world, you know. Um, we saw Jesus do a little bit of that, but we saw Paul, you know, highlight it and take it even further. And then take it even further to say there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. He taught it to us. Jesus showed us through the woman at the well, but Paul clarified it for mm. us to say this is the thing. You know, but then we've got people like First Peter who's saying, you know, do this. And even Paul, and you have pseudo-Paul and not Paul at all, you know, who argues within itself. So, you know, that's why I think education and understanding and being able to make really good educated guess on how that system works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jesus did do it. He did show us, but, um, but you're going to get, you're going to get a better idea on, on how that, what that looks like and what that takes. Mm-hmm. You know, a big part of, I think, radical, I think a big part of approaching Christianity radically is, is, uh, letting it renew itself, letting it reapply itself. Yeah. You know, and so it's like continuing the work kind of thing. Like Paul continued Christ's work, and King continued. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's letting us read. And then the King also was learning about Gandhi. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and learned about Gandhi through Bayard Rustin. Mm-hmm. You know, who was a who was a gay man, a black gay man in the sixties. You know, so you know, everybody's. Building off everybody's work. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, he, someone like King didn't need just Jesus, but he needed Gandhi. And yeah, he also right. needed Rustin, and he also needed Paul Tillich, mm-hmm. and he also needed, you know, a lot of this. I mean, sure. he's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think for me, it's important. You, you kind of helped me to clarify something in my head is, is that um, everyone in some, in, at, at, either at some moment, moment or from some perspective is a victim of mis- misinformation. Right. And, uh, you know, you could even argue that King himself was a victim of misinformation in many ways. I, I mean, he probably has some misogynistic leanings that um, we might reevaluate nowadays. Because Christianity is radical and because we keep reevaluating things. Yeah. And that's kind of the nature of what we're talking about here when we talk about in the kingdom or in Christ, there's no male nor female. Like, that doesn't mean that's how it is right now. Yeah. It means that this is an ideal. It's in the kingdom. It's in Christ. It's what we're building towards. It's this eternal idea that yeah, we're, it, we can easily get discouraged when we say, "Oh man, we, we we messed it up again. We failed again. Like we we fell short in our in our revolution. Our revolution didn't, yeah. didn't get us to the end point. Yeah, we didn't reach the kingdom yet. But that's kind of the nature of the things that we're talking about here. And and so it's like, yeah, ideally there's no identity, but there is identity, and so we celebrate identity. And like that's yeah. you know, but like we're saying philosophically though, like we don't want there to be any hierarchy. Yeah, and that's the is. thing is we have to ask ourselves. We have to look at too, we have to think about what are we fighting for, you know? If there's true, if we're fighting for true equality, are we willing to give up identity? You know? In that equality, are we able to wrestle with that ideas of, of, of that, you know? Um, I think we can all celebrate who we are in our heritage. I'm a, I'm a white male, so this is not the best thing for me to talk about, probably. <laughs> um, and I'm a hetero white male, so on top of that. Well, I know what we're doing now, but I'm asking, what is, do we know what our end goal is for equality? I'm willing to listen. I'm going to listen because I'm not the one who's, you know, I need to probably step down some. I don't need to be lifted up. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. what is the end goal? So, you know, my goal is to say, all right, I want to step down. You know, okay, here's society has given me these things, you know, and gives me this privilege and I don't have to, you know, 
I don't have to sit down with my kids and tell them how to react in front of a police officer. I mean, I probably should now, definitely. But, you know, I didn't grow up hearing that. I didn't get the talk about how to have to act because it didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't worried that a cop was going to kill me because I was just a kid. Um, like my African American brothers and sisters do. So yeah, I mean, there's this, I've got to, you know, coming down, listening, mm-hmm. shutting the hell up sometimes, you know, I, I, I honestly, I feel like I could have tweeted a billion things and been on over social media and preached particular talks and did certain things. And I said, you know, no, this is not, I'm not the savior here, you know? And um, maybe that's something that I probably should have seen a little bit more clear when I did my my uh, LGBTQ work with Soul Force, you know, I mean, I just came in, just, you know, I was just going to tear the whole system down, you know, and uh, I think now I, as I've gotten older, I've just realized that there's humiliation as part of it, you know. Thomas has said a lot of uh, insightful things throughout the talk today. Some, some of his comments were uh, social media creates an urgency that can lead to social anxiety. I totally relate with that. Yeah. Sometimes I have to have blackout days or weeks even from social media. I can't handle it. I'm overstimulated by that. And probably overly sensitive, to be honest. Well, I just saw someone write, it's not a choice to lose identity so easily for others. And, uh, yeah, I mean, women in Middle Eastern country 2,000 years ago, no, it wasn't. You know, slave or free, I mean, usually you were marked as a slave. You know, No, it wasn't. I just, I don't think what Paul is saying is insane to what we're saying today. I honestly don't. I think, you know, I'm going to reiterate this is saying he's asked, he's not, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, I don't give up your identity or stop being black or stop being a woman or stop being gay or stop being, you know, prideful or whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying we have right. to identify, you know, I'm just saying that there, there's something that's asking us to do this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Something's asking us to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what's that's what I'm getting out of out of Paul. That's what I'm getting out of a lot of the philosophy that I'm reading. Um, that's what I'm hearing is, is how do we do this? So I understand it's not easy. Yeah. I mean that I do. I mean that's it's clearly why this is a struggle for me to preach this type of shit is because I understand that. You know. Um, but how do we do it? Yeah, you know, that's what I'm asking is how do we do it? Yeah. How do we come to a point where we, we, we do this? Or is it impossible? You know, is this impossible? Is this heresy and is this bullshit? You know? I mean, I, I'm gonna be I just I'm gonna be honest. You know, my my goal, my hope is just to cause people to think differently, to think more about this, how we can reach a different level of things. And um you know, how how do we get there? You know, do we get there? Or do we, or, or do we go? You know what? This is old wineskins. You know, is it old wineskins, and that we figure out a new way to do it? Hmm. You know. I mean, I'm up for that. I'm always up for raging against the machine, especially my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's it's heresy at all. To, I mean, I don't know if which part you're suggesting might be heretical, but like saying that it's impossible doesn't make it heretical. Uh, because we're building towards the kingdom, like yeah. that's that is so scriptural. Like I almost don't even. It almost makes me uncomfortable how scriptural that is, and how much I can get behind that idea when you when you approach it as like like we're trying to build something eternal here. We don't yeah. have eternal building blocks necessarily, 
but we have we have some kind of concept of the direction we're trying to go, and we're trying to we're trying to approach. We're not trying, maybe ever going to get parallel with this line, but we're trying to approach this line, you know. And that's kind of the nature of fixing fixing your eyes on. And, and I think like maybe equality right now is not is not should be the goal, maybe because I think too many people, you know, I believe like you know how do we maybe we need to look at reparations, you know, how do we do that, yeah. you know. Maybe we need to we need to figure out a way to apologize and 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 make right what we've done to the Native Americans in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's not just saying like, "Oh, you have all the same rights as we do," but maybe it's saying like, "We need you need special rights. You need something that gives right. you a hand up for now. You need right uh-huh. now, right yeah. now. Maybe we in the future we can all just yeah, exactly go across the board. But right now, maybe we need more than just equality. Well put. You know, very well put. So, yeah, good point. We uh, gotta repent. Lisa says maybe it's give up identity as a claim beyond the value of being human. Currently, people need to claim identity to show their equal value as human. No, that's, that's right. good. That's, that's great. great. I agree with very that. Very well 100%. put, Lisa. Thank you for articulating that. No, and I think that's why the, you know everybody gets so you know. Why the Black Lives Matters is important. It's not saying other lives don't matter. Yeah. It's saying we matter right. too. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. It's saying... It's saying we need to put a spotlight on this. Yeah, we've got to this see This is what this. we're focusing on. Yeah, it's I, in an ideal world, we don't need to remind you that anything matters. <laughs> right. In an ideal world, we don't need a pride parade. It's you like know? the le- least thing to have to ask is saying, do I matter? Yeah. You know, just do I matter? Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I want to matter like you matter. Yeah. You know? Saying all lives matter is like, yeah, no shit, we know that, but yeah. that's not what we're talking about right but, now. But, but we're not acting like all lives yeah, matter. Right. We're acting like these lives matters and black lives don't matter. Right. That's the... Right. That's why thing. we're putting this a spotlight why we're having on to Put a spotlight on Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. Not because it's more important than anything else, but because it is being ignored right now and it needs to be... And I just want to make a, a side note for this, is if you often think, well, oh, you guys are so... You know, there are a lot of white faces on Revolution Church and there's... Uh, a lot of mail on Revolution Church and things like that is I just want to make it clear is like I don't have a budget a lot of the people that I want to have speak we're trying to work that out but we trying to get people online tangled you know asking people to come to Caleb's house right now we can't afford to pay anybody to do this um, matter of fact if you have some we've talked to some folks and have some ideas um, and we're trying to arrange that stuff. But just so you know, it's just not like this isn't just two guys talking about this stuff. You know, it's like we want to be have more voices here, too. Um, but right now we're just trying to be part of the conversation. You know, um, I think we're doing a good job of it on Loosen the Bible Belt. We're having some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Revolution is not a, a big church. You know, we don't. It's me and Caleb right now and, and you guys. So, you know, you guys also are part of this, making this happen. You know, we're sitting in a, an apartment living room right now. Yeah. And I'm using my headphones because my, my phone buzzes, you know, so. We don't have AC on. We don't have AC we got on. A fan we don't here, have but a, we can't have it on because it's too noisy. We don't have offices. We don't, you know, I've had to reteach myself how to study outside of a coffee shop. So I just want to make it clear, like, you know, this is, we're bare bones here and, and we're, we're also struggling to do our best. Lisa expanded a little bit on what she said earlier and said, identity as power position versus identity as even me. There is a difference in this way of claiming identity. Yeah. 
It's even me. I like that. I like even that me. Even. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Well, I mean, and that's what you know, Paul's talking about this power. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, Bob brought up again that we could always get sponsored by Coke. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bob said a lot of comments throughout your talk as well. Uh, you witnessed the dichotomy when you toured with Soul Force. Your yeah. mom was a fine example of the freedom in Christ. She, yeah, she was. She really didn't give a damn what a lot of people thought. She didn't say what people wanted her to say. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Because she wasn't ever sure. She just wasn't a theologian. You know? So she wasn't sure she could say it's not a sin to be LGBTQ. She felt it in her heart. She did what she yeah. could and she worked as hard as she could. Her actions did her say Her actions that. said it. They did say that. You know? But her... That's why... In her theology, it was different. You yeah. Know? So... You know, I often wonder now, like, if my mom was alive, if there would be room for her, you know, because, mm. of, you know. Yeah. I don't know who she'd be now. But, I don't know. You know. Yeah. yeah. A part of pyro theology is, and just a part of Christianity, is that, you know, actions do speak louder and oftentimes we don't even fully know what we believe. Yeah. And we don't even know that we don't know what we believe. Yeah. We just kind of carry on in this inherited narrative about, like, this goes here and this goes here. This has this place, this has that place. And I say that too because like in my personal experience, especially recently in coming to realize my own privilege and fragility and things like that, like I've been a victim of misinformation. I've been an enemy. I've helped to uphold a system that upon becoming informed or in my process of becoming informed, I of course have a fully different tune about. Yeah. That kind of helps you to love your enemy a little bit more too. Is 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 by realizing that it's easy to be a victim of misinformation. Yeah, and if I become your enemy, talk to me. Yeah, please let let you know. Let us know. For I mean, I, I find one thing is when I when people disagree with me, often is they just stop listening, and so I never know, you know, what happened, um, which is tough because my the louder critics who we completely don't see eye to eye on are, are often very clear and, and reach out and make it clear that they don't agree with me. But sometimes it's just something that becomes like, oh, I just can't take that part of revolution anymore. I'm just going to leave, you know. Send a letter. I'll read it. I think that's about it for today. Is that it? Just about. Uh, Thomas said something else. He said uh, the first Martin Luther was greater as a heretic. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of other. I mean, there were a lot of comments, but most of them were just kind of just reacting to uh, as you were speaking. Some amens and things like that. Thanks, everybody. And uh, let's all work through this together. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Keep thinking. Keep reading. Please check out that sermon we put in the talk. Oh, yeah. Could you talk about cancel culture? I think cancel culture does not allow our area for grace. And so I think that it's definitely anti-Paulinian. I think it's not a Christian thing. Uh, I think Christians may have invented cancel culture. Um, mm, you, you know, I, I watch the church kick people out and, and throw them away very easily. Um, and the church is really good at canceling oh, yeah. people, especially their own excommunicating, people. you know, completely excommunicating people, even if they don't believe in excommunication. Um, so Absolutely. I don't believe in canceled culture. I don't believe that's how you make a movement. Um, I don't know that that's not how you get people to join your movement. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It, it encourages what you were saying earlier about being super impressed by the people around you. Yeah. It encourages you to walk on eggshells 
and to check every single little thing that you say, you know, it, it, I think it discourages the type of behavior that you were talking about earlier about talking through things and digesting things. I'd definitely probably be more involved with more conversations online if I wasn't worried about cancel culture, yeah. to be honest with you. I feel like I have to think about my answers and what I say in my words uh, a lot more. Maybe that's a good thing. Probably is a good thing. Um, but I think I'd interact a lot more in social media if I didn't think cancel culture was such a weird thing. I feel the same way. You know? Like, I, I honestly am more afraid of my progressive friends than I am my conservative. Conservatives, at least I know they think I'm shit, you know? My progressive friends, I'm afraid of, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing, you know? And, uh, or it's going to be read wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm not free to have these thoughts about, you know, the government. That I'm not a, you know, I, I don't like Biden and I don't like Trump, you know? And I don't know if, I don't think there's hope in presidents, you know? I mean, I'm going to play the game a little longer, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for asking that last minute. Yeah. Love you guys. Don't be anxious. Thanks for the wave. And uh, we love you too, Thomas. We will see you guys next week. And yes, we, we will uh, continue to work this thing out. So love you guys. Be good. Have a good Sunday. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you like that, you might enjoy the Loosen the Bible Belt podcast with Jay Baker and me, Kristen Becker. One of my dad's friends thought it would be funny to send me a podcast a, a subscription to Playboy to my house <laughs> and my mom didn't realize what was in the black black plastic bags so she would just throw them on my bed I'd come home and I'd be like oh new issue ah. Playboy <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny yeah. Jay is really into this magazine I'm glad <laughs> yeah. he's really reading he's reading He's such a reader. It's weird that he's dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to shut the door. Uh, That's uh. really funny, Jay, that you were dyslexic and you just kept getting magazines. Yeah. And no one thought twice about I, it. I just thought like the, like the porn fairy was coming to town. I was like, what? Anyway, sorry. That was totally off the subject. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You just like like your life was that good. That like the butler <laughs> left you Playboys. The the this was post butler. This was post. My dad was in prison, so. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it was one of his friends who who worked did this magazine scam and thought, well, you know, I bet you Jay's Jim's son would like some Playboy, and he was right. <laughs> you are correct, sir. That was a classic. That's yeah. the equivalent of like putting the light bill in your kid's name. Your dad's yeah. friend oh, ran man. ran a magazine scam and put you down as a recipient to Playboy. Yeah, and I think he would write complaint letters and send them money. But anyway, okay, that's I don't know why we're here. That was a post-Christian podcast.